intro? Yeah. Do you want to do this intro? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hello. You're listening to Gays Gays, in which we're gay. And also, we gays into media that's by for about ladies who love ladies. And sometimes we talk about other stuff. Uh, I am Erin, and I forgot what my quote was. Oh! <laughs> I'm Erin, and you're coming with me, fugitive scum. And I'm Erin, and I'm dying, I'm dying, Captain, carry me! (laughs) And we're here doing Star Wars Lovers by Mickey Brewster. Mickey? Yeah, Mickey, I think. I want to give the briefest content warning to start that we'll be talking a little bit about abusive and unhealthy relationships and specifically kind of identifying them. And also big spoiler warning because we're going to be getting pretty gritty into this entire series. Yeah, but if you want to stop like right now and read Starward Lovers, it's available on Tumblr um, and it's like 200 pages. You can definitely like go through it pretty fast and it's wonderful we we both recommend it taking intensive notes i want to say it took me maybe two hours to read tops so definitely something you could get through and then come right back here in order to listen and engage to your fullest ability hooray yay um so to give a brief kind of summary and overview i'm just going to kind of get into it and run through the major events and what happens in the series Uh, So Jen Guerrera is our protagonist, and she's a former gifted kid who is now a lost and undeclared college sophomore. And there's really only one thing that keeps Jen grounded in the series. She has a huge crush on this girl that she sees every day in the local coffee shop. This is Ravonda Red, or Red for short. And one day, Jen accidentally discovers that Red is secretly an intergalactic cop who tracks and arrests aliens with active warrants. Jen Mm. decides to leave her entire life behind and join their team and become an agent of the alien state, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jen's team is led by an entity known as the Mother Computer, and it is made of a cast of (laughs) a wide variety of lesbians. So there is Captain Matsumoto, who is a buff and authoritative former MMA fighter. There's head technician Bakesby, a chubby scientist who is flirty, gentle, and patient. There's Rocker, a messy, high-energy alien who loves rock music and who has decided to live in human form for reasons. And Mm -hmm. Jen quickly comes to love all three of these ladies as her family. And then, of course, there's Red, who dislikes everyone but Jen, and everyone else dislikes her too. And this is pretty jarring for Jen, as she sees Red, who's someone that is distant but cool and intoxicating and very protective of her. Um, The main enemy in the series is an entity known as the Dark Queen, and after one successful fight against a minion of the Queen, Red takes Jen to the secret core of their base where Mother Mother Computer's data is stored. This seems romantic, but after kissing Jen, Red punches her in the face, ties her up, and reveals that she's actually a servant of the Dark Queen herself. She plugs an override ship into Mother to steal the base. Jen regroups with the rest of the team as they plan to have their final fight and take down Red. Jen, facing this betrayal from Red, blames herself, but Rocker comforts her and encourages her to move forward. In the final fight, Jen and Rocker go together. Jen realizes that Rocker has always loved and supported her, and in a montage of a variety of warm flashbacks, Jen wishes that the two of them had been dating all along. Finally, Red and Jen fight. Jen collapses due to an injury, and she wakes up in a dream that's been created by the Dark Queen. The Dark Queen tries to seduce her by preying upon all of her insecurities. Jen doesn't give in, and she says that she's very sick of people wanting her to be weak. And this temporarily defeats the Dark Queen. When Jen and Red wake up, Red says that she's always thought that Jen would join the Dark Queen too. And Red reveals that she joined the Queen because of her own insecurities and her own need for validation. It's implied that she's shocked that Jen could fight those insecurities off. When the team reunites, Rocker asks Jen on a date, and Jen agrees, and the series ends with them going on that date. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's it's so good. It's very warm. Yeah, this, uh, I had had initially read this when it was first coming out, and then it it went on a hiatus, and I just kind of, like, fell off it, Um, but I, I was really happy to come back and finish it. Yeah, me too. I had been texting you last night or a couple nights ago or when I was reading it saying like, I left off at the hiatus point in this and man, what a joy it was to come back and see it finish out and like such, <laughs> yeah. a, such a satisfying conclusion. So true. Yeah, It's also just like, 
this I in my notes it's like this shit slaps. <laughs> like, slaps. This is just like it slaps. Um earlier this week, in fact, we were talking and about Yuri manga and stuff, and I, I was quoted as saying, Yuri is boring, no one has a gun. But this <laughs> they have guns and Wait, this is not boring. Uh, okay, I have a question for you. Do they have guns? I don't remember any guns here. They they definitely they have guns. They have laser guns. Oh. I, she see, shoots that guy in the mouth. The giant alien guy that was taken over by the Dark Queen. Oh, the the second one? Yeah. I only have a vision in my head of Red with her laser whip, which is, oh, which is honestly good. really badass. <laughs> so good. Um, so Mickey Brewster, who wrote this, also works on Steven Universe. And I think that's like uh, very, I, I'm not really sure exactly which came first of like her storyboarding for Steven Universe or like her writing this I think it might have been kind of like somewhat simultaneous um but the just like working with the whip and like Amethyst and Steven Universe she also uses a whip and the action's just like very smooth and like easy to follow and it's like beautiful I did see that the uh creator of Steven Universe Rebecca Sugar correct mm-hmm. um yeah like drew fan art of the series too at one point Oh my god, I missed that. Yeah, it w- it was on uh, Rebecca Sugar's Twitter. So oh my god, I gotta find that. So okay. I that makes me think that it might have been running concurrently because like either I feel like either it would have happened before Mickey started working yeah. on Steven Universe or Wall. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. But yeah, good job, Mickey. Do we know that Mickey's pronouns are she/her? I'm according to the Steven Universe wiki, um, <laughs> they 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 put female, which doesn't mean anything as as far as pronouns go. But anything. yeah, um, I, I will say I did look a little bit at Mickey Brewster's Twitter, which is at mm-hmm. it's me Mickey B, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Mickey doesn't update it very frequently, and there's really not a yeah. whole lot on it. It was like one tweet in the last like two months, maybe three tweets yeah. in the last six months. In in trying find to find stuff under her like, um, you know, name, um, it was like the it, there was just like you know her IMDb page and like her Twitter and um her Patreon even like wasn't in the first page of like results. Like it's really been kind of like scrubbed. And I I say like good job. Like I'm sure you did that on purpose. Like keep <laughs> yeah. it close to your chest. Like. Congratulations. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, so we are just kind of assuming pronouns. So feel free okay. to email us at Aaron at gazegaze.com and say uh, that we're wrong. And we would love that. Or tweet yeah. at us. <laughs> also at gazegaze. Anyway, so yeah, they they have guns. And yeah, I, you know, I love a story with with lesbians and they're doing stuff and they have guns and there's drama and there's pining and i specifically love the amount of pining that's in this makes me that's that's my shit there is a lot of it it's so good (laughs) it's it's so interesting so like i would say a, a majority of the series is focused on jen really pining for red before there's like this big betrayal scene like when it comes to the pining in the series i remember reading this and you know, reading up until there was this hiatus point, and the precisely the hiatus point that I stopped was the panel before um, Red punches Jen in the face and reveals that she's actually the servant of the Dark Queen. And so <laughs> when you stop at that point, it just seems like, oh, they finally got their first kiss. Like, how sweet. And I remember reading this, I want to say when I was like in my last year of college probably like 21 ish um it, it would have been like 2017 i think that really? this was yeah i thought so i, I thought it, wrong i thought it was like 2016 okay in any case i like i feel like i wasn't quite in a spot where i was as easily identifying um like potential like warning signs in relationships and so when i read it i was just like oh like she's been wanting this for so long like how sweet it's finally happened but this time reading it i was like definitely very attuned to like oh like there's so much weird stuff happening in this relationship and when they finally kissed my reaction was kind of like oh no oh no and it was like something (laughs) of actually like a relief when it was like 
shown that this was like a betrayal moment for me right because i was like oh i'm like actually really glad that this is the path that we're going down that is showing that like this level of pining has like not been healthy or conducive to like actually sussing out the situation that's going on around jen oh totally no pining is to be fair, pining is, like, a trope that I really enjoy, but yeah. I'm not, like, an action that I condone. <laughs> IRL. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think I just, like, um, I, yeah, I really like it because I, like, I relate to that a lot. Like, I, mm-hmm. I remember that, like, the kind of, like, overwhelming feeling of you, you meet somebody and you're, you're, like, in the closet and you're, like trying to not be gay and then it's like i can't not be gay anymore this like i i have too many feelings and they're overwhelming me and um yeah like failing miserably at right gay. <laughs> yeah sometimes it's too hard yeah all the time in fact i have to be gay now now that i'm thinking about like okay not to get too far on a tangent some of your like fave ships almost always have like a pining aspect to them which i think is really like different from how i approach like fiction and the type of like romantic fiction that i enjoy which is generally like I don't know, I kind of come from, like, a we were friends, and now it's just kind of, like, worked out, and now we're together, and we don't have to think too much yeah. about it. Nope. They, everybody has to suffer. <laughs> oh my god, no! <laughs> <laughs> Reveling in fictional characters' pain. I love it. <laughs> no. No, I like it when it works out, but I do like a good amount of pining. I like the so e- even some mutual pining. That's always good. Hmm. <laughs> anyway... Aside from my AO3 tags. <laughs> um, yeah, I just like, I I think that, yeah, that was like, that was kind of what I, I went through. And I think also um, how Jen is, her crush is kind of described as her wanting to have somebody to take care of her and like make her feel whole um, because she does so feel so insecure. And mm-hmm. I think that's just like very indicative of like young juvenile love. And I found that, you know. It, it was just very accurate. And then I also liked that it kind of worked out to be like, this is in the narrative also very clearly misguided. Yeah. Um, and like as themes, great theme. One thing that I do like um, too and how this is handled is that like you said, like it reads to you as something that's young juvenile love. But what's noteworthy here is that like everybody's over 20 and like a lot of this stems from not just being a young person but from being like a closeted and inexperienced yeah. person specifically which i, I yeah. yeah it's yeah it's funny actually that you mentioned that because i i didn't really even think about it but i do think of like if you're if you've been in the closet and it, it i mean it doesn't matter when you come out like your first love is going to be like yeah. juvenile <laughs> yeah i'm yeah that's why i think i've been hesitant to say that this is like young or juvenile because i don't think that it is i think that it's just for people who don't necessarily have as much experience navigating that realm oh yeah i think i inexperienced is what i meant that's mm-hmm. a a better word for what i was saying <laughs> Yeah, I, when I when I say love, young love, I meant like first love kind of a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But thank you. That's a much better description. No, <laughs> they're, tw- no, no, they're no, in their twenties. Okay. Yeah, they're all in their twenties. <laughs> okay, a sidebar. But this I'm- baby, this <laughs> child, <laughs> this child, Jen, who is literally a college sophomore. Um, yeah, <laughs> she has a gun. <laughs> who gave this baby a gun? With a gun. Um. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, I do have a sidebar. I am curious. So many of the characters don't have, like, canon ages aside from Jen. I think Jen actually might be the only one. Yeah. Um, I'm curious as to, like, how you age interpreted Rocker the alien. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I guess since she is an alien, I just kind of, I put her in, like, maybe, like, 24. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, like, removed from, like, the understanding that she could be, like, two years old, or she could be, like, a thousand years (laughs) old, (laughs) because she's a literal alien, Um, I I would say that my guess would actually be to, like, potentially classify her as younger, but, like, more experienced in dating. Yeah, that's fair, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Either. Rocker is such an enigma. 
I love that. I also in my notes wrote down that she could very easily be played by Kate McKinnon. <laughs> I saw that in your notes and I disagree <laughs> with that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, I got the oh, Holtzman energy. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. I... Okay, this is a highly contentious opinion. I understand that I'm disagreeing with your opinion to throw something out there that's way more contentious. That's okay. We don't have to agree. Miley Cyrus energy. <sighs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, sure. I could see that. I don't think... Miley doesn't seem as high energy to me. Oh, really? I actually think that Miley might be even more high energy. I think I'm, that that's my critique I, of Kate McKinnon as the pick for her, is that she's not high energy enough. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think of Kate McKinnon as very high energy. Tweet at us! No, I'm <laughs> oh my god! Who do you who think Rock would be played? We need um, community engagement. <laughs> that's true, we do need community engagement. <laughs> Please. <laughs> subscribe to our youtube channel we don't have that like and comment and subscribe our bluetooth channel oh goodness okay okay um Um, i have this whole section tied into what we had just been talking about before i totally derailed us um about like what it's like navigating relationships when you're new at dating Mm. um which is like Honestly, I think more life tippy than really relevant to the comic, but I just think it's important here because this comic delves so deeply in like being new at dating and figuring out how to yeah, be new at dating. That's like the theme. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think there are a few big takeaways from this comic when it comes to like love and dating. One is that people who want to date do deserve to be in respectful and equitable relationships. One is that you should be able to stand alone as a person and your relationships can complement that, but they shouldn't complete you. Um, And the last one is that um, you can be blinded by love and infatuation and you can miss when things might seem amiss in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. (laughs) It's like at any age. Honestly, yeah, at any age. But I think it's it's like potentially more prominent when you were like just starting out dating. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, So as, like, another tangential but important real-life anecdote, um, as a fairly large component of my job, I sometimes lead healthy relationship trainings for teenagers, and I do a lot of talking with teenagers about their romantic and sexual relationships. And one of the biggest things that I try to highlight is the importance of being really intentional in your relationships and specifically, like, knowing what kind of person you are and knowing what it is that you want or need from a partner all before you actually start dating people and i'm not saying that like if you're already dating someone it's like too late to start thinking about those things but like if you have the chance to start before that's really cool because then you get to like plan out what it is that like you actually want to get out of it um because i think that often especially when you're a teen it can be easy to start dating people because you're lonely or because you have fomo or because there are social expectations that teenagers should date and so taking the time to be intentional about it is a pretty radical act. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like, as an example for me, I know that I need to be around people who really value humility, who value creativity and personal growth. And when it comes to dating, I also think that very traditional monogamy just wouldn't work that well for me. And I know those things because I've taken the time to really assess what it is that I value and need in order to meet some of my goals in my life. And it's been solidified when I've had experiences where those needs weren't being met in some of the relationships that I've had and even friendships. And it was pretty clear that something was wrong in those instances. Um, And those needs have also shifted over the years. And I think that that's also normal and okay to kind of figure it out as you're going to. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I think it is just complicated. Totally. Yeah, it's it's funny because those things aren't really talked about a lot either. Yeah. When was the last time somebody told you that you should really be thinking critically about what it is that dating does for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, the answer is me, constantly. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm asking myself that question constantly, I meant. 
Well, I think that that's actually good, though. Um, well, it could be good, depending on the approach you're taking in doing it. Yeah, that, that was also a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I am being serious here, Erin. <laughs> no, I know. serious stuff. It is. But no, I think as a, as a teen, I, like, the only thing that was talked about with relationship is like, you're going to date somebody and it's going to be bad and like, you'll figure it out. And that's maybe not the best advice. (laughs) Absolutely hate that. Why not try to make it the best it can be by figuring out what you need. And also, okay. In addition to figuring out what you need, figuring out what it is that you're bringing to the table for somebody else is really important too. Yeah. Um, Cause relationships are not a one way street. Yeah. I do think that like, obviously, you know, I think that's like an ideal situation, something to kind of strive to, but it's, you know, it's sometimes it's it can be very overwhelming, especially when you're young. And it's just like, I just really want to be with this person. But I do think that, you know, being able to be um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like In- introspective, introspective. Yeah, be introspective. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I very much in my life tend to live in like an idealized state of things and tend to think very broadly in like whole world scope or idealism and that doesn't also always necessarily mean like practicality (laughs) like i can say these things like it's like really super fucking easy and it's so not it's not it's not which is why i love reading about pining (laughs) (laughs) yeah so (laughs) so um yeah bringing this back into the comic um yeah jen is like seeking her first ever relationship and she wants to have that relationship with Red because why? Because Red's hot and she bought her a coffee once and it made her feel good. That's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's like the cool girl from the coffee shop. This is Yeah. Yeah. And um she wants to she wants to be in a relationship because she wants to be supported and loved, but that's like a really broad requirement that every single relationship should have. So it's not really like sussing out too much beyond like maybe this person can give that to me but what is it that you need in order to feel supported and loved maybe more than being bought a coffee i don't know um oh yeah obviously maybe i don't know um i don't know i do i do think just like again i feel like i'm repeating myself a lot but like i really i liked that it was she didn't really have a reason to like Red. It was yeah. just like, I feel very lost, but I know that I'm attracted to this person. I want to keep seeing them. I want to be close to them. I'm uh, making very bad decisions. I'm leaving behind everything to go live on a spaceship. Like looping <laughs> back well, in, yeah. we'll get to we'll get to codependency in a little bit. <laughs> but like giving up your entire life because you like how somebody looks and you think that they might be the one for you, but you don't even know them. Yeah. And yeah. well, especially when that person is somebody that yeah, you don't know. And even more than that, somebody that you haven't even talked to. Yeah. God, I forgot about that. She bought her a coffee once. I think they, said, she never I think had said, said anything she looked to cute. Her. Yeah, she yeah, she said she looked cute. And then yeah, never talked to her again. Just always went to the coffee shop at the same time to look at her. Yeah. Um Yeah, I guess it's like a little bit of a like a parasocial relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, obviously, when Jen starts getting to know Red to see if they could date, it clearly doesn't work out um, for a wide variety of reasons, largely because Red is manipulative and doesn't want to date Jen. Yeah. (laughs) And is a servant of the Dark Queen. Um. (laughs) I guess, to me, reading it, um, it seemed like Red kind of really didn't want to um, interact with Jen, and then at a certain point decided oh actually you know what i can get something out of this situation and then started like acting like she was interested in her yeah but i think like when they're on the um on the spaceship and um the mother computer is like giving jen the ultimatum of like you either get your memories wiped or you can come and like work for us for five dollars and jen's like yeah, and Jen, I forgot about that. And Jen's like, oh, oh I obviously want to work with you. Like, I don't want to forget about Red. Red, like, seems annoyed to me. Yeah. I think that when I read that, okay, initially not knowing the path that this was going to take. Now, if I look back, I'm like, oh, she looks really annoyed. But 
had I not known that Red was going to turn out this way, I thought that she was like, oh no, this girl I'm like kind of into is following me and is going to have to live this like shitty life on a spaceship fighting aliens. Which like would have been a realistic expectation if Red was not currently being inhabited by the soul of the Dark Witch. The Dark Queen. Yeah. <laughs> Please. I'm sorry. This is a professional podcast. Um, yeah, it's funny. I'm trying to remember like exactly what I was thinking when I initially read this, but I, I kind of feel like I always, because once Rocker was introduced and I was like, oh, these guys have so much chemistry. I they was do. like, wait a minute. What, like who, what, the, what the fuck is Red doing here? Get out of here. Yeah. And then was like, kind of, then with all the weirdness, um, that was going on, it made kind of more sense to me that, like, oh, wait, this is maybe not going to end well. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Because, yeah, I actually, I love Rucker's introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what is it that she says? I came to Earth just between you and me because Earth girls are the cutest. Are the cutest. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, and she says that Jen is especially cute and like yeah. almost leans in for a kiss and I yeah. okay, I remember like as I was like reflecting back on this last night and synthesizing my notes, I was like, didn't that make Jen like really uncomfortable? And then I went back and reread it and Jen was like, "Oh, why didn't I why did I stop her? Yeah. I wanted her to kiss <laughs> yeah, exactly. me." <laughs> right, yeah. But wait, yeah, totally. oh, but Red's here. I can't kiss Rocky. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Very cute. Very cute. Yeah. A good scene. <laughs> yeah. So it's there all along, even though, like, they oh, yeah. get together. Like, it's there all along. Oh, yeah. My, yeah, my favorite panel is um, after they fight um, the that alien who's been taken over by the Dark Queen and, like, transforms into this big giant alien. He, they, like, embrace in the, like, cafeteria or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, and that, and there's like light behind them. It's just like really beautifully drawn, and they're like touching each other's foreheads, and it's just like, oh, so good. It's really so cute. good. Looping back into first time dating, um, I and keeping this on track with Rocker, I think that what we see like later in the series with Rocker is Jen realizing that there are other things that make a relationship functional for her beyond just like thinking someone's cute. And I think that this is where the series like really starts to shine and showcasing like healthy relationships. Um, like specifically, Jen says that she feels stronger with Rocker around, that she likes that Rocker relies on her and trusts her, and she like thinks back to all the laughing and fun times that they've had together and how important all of that was and how foundational it was. And and making her feel safe and supported. Um, yeah. And so, like, those specifics were definitely not present when Jen was lusting after Red because Red was, like, some distant other, almost. Oh, yeah. Or even once Red does start interacting with Jen, it's kind of like, oh, you know, you're really tender and delicate. Like, I need to take care of you. Like, you need to stay yeah. out of the way. Like, kind of, like, putting her hands on her and, like, kind of, like, pushing her in certain directions. Um, which is obviously like you don't yeah. you don't need somebody who like thinks so little of you that like you can't take care of yourself. Yeah, and like okay, this is a, a manipulative scene, but there is one instance where Jen defies the captain's orders and saves Red's life by doing something that's in defiance of orders, um, mm-hmm. and Red's immediate reaction was like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> yeah <laughs> and jen was like because i had to protect you just like you protect me something something and then this is like a manipulative moment but if you're not interpreting it as manipulative it might seem somewhat normal where rad is like yeah but i want to protect you too and if you're trying to protect me then how can i protect you yeah do you remember that I, one I, I mean obviously in that situation like definitely yeah, I think it 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 just like it counts. Out, uh, it sounds like a shonen line almost. It does, yeah, <laughs> and it's like specifically because we know that Red is lying, that it's manipulative. Right. Like that's why it is. But like, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if somebody saved your life, maybe don't get mad at them for doing. It. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saving my life. How am I supposed to save your life? Let me die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. 
I think that, like I said earlier, like, the first time I read it, I didn't notice that there were all of these, like, little things that, like, could have been, like, potential warning signs that something was up with Rod until, like, I reread it a second time. Mm, Probably after, like, working in the field that I work in, just, like, ties (laughs) to sexual assault and domestic violence, like definitely more attuned to that sort of shit now and trying to actively block it out when it isn't present because that's just what happens to your brain when you work in that space for so long of course Um, but i was thankful to notice it in this instance because it was correct um but um i would say that there were a, a few things that kind of crop up in uh the relationships in this comic that are not like deal breakers not like hard this is like a definitely abusive situation but it's stuff that like if you've taken the time to figure out like what it is that you want to get out of a relationship like noticing some of these things might make you ask yourself like is this really in line with what I want to be doing (laughs) like is this really the kind of person that I want to be with like or the kind of relationship I want to be in and the answer might Mm -hmm. be absolutely yeah but the answer might be that like some of these wouldn't be in line with your end goals and some of those included like two characters having incredibly different interests or like very incompatible communication styles like always feeling uncertain when you're around someone like Jen experiences with Red a lot, like not knowing where Red stands in certain issues and Jen making excessive sacrifices in order to be with Red is like, again, not like a make or break sitch, but like you're doing a lot in order to be with this person. Right. Well, I think that is a little bit make or break because it's somebody that she doesn't fucking know. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even if it is somebody that you know, it could be make or break if it, yeah. like, depending on the situation. Oh, of course. Yeah. But I think especially in this, in this case, situation. Yeah. Um, I think if your partner doesn't like your friends or if your friends don't like your partner, that, that might be a bad idea. Yeah. Um, or if, if you're at super different points in understanding your own health, your own well-being, your own self-worth, or your own identity, which is definitely the case here, too, with people who are very out of the closet versus Jen, who is, like, literally baby-stepping out of it during the comic. I think we, we disagree on this, because I don't think that can, like, that that's just, like, so vague, I feel like. Like, that can be bad, or you can be with somebody who's, like, out of the closet and can help you like feel comfortable being out of the closet and there was one specific point that you noted um that i picked up this quote and then didn't really know exactly how i wanted to talk about it but you had some more to say and this was specifically jen saying about red why would she fall for someone like me i I, yeah i just found that like very relatable because i think when you're like a sad young gay um or at least for me like when i was a sad young gay that's definitely how i felt Um, And that's, like, really negative thinking, because if you don't trust somebody to, like, want to be in a relationship with you, like, that makes it really hard to be in a relationship with them, because you're not going to trust any of the love that they're, like, giving to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just going to be bad. Yeah. And I think that Jen definitely gets there in the end with, like, having an understanding for what healthy relationships look like. And that really means, like, setting out with a foundation of equity, trust, communication, and basically, like, knowing what it is that you want and knowing how you can meet your partner's needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I also don't think, like, if you're somebody who doesn't feel, like, completely confident with, like, who you are, you know, just in general, like, you don't have to have that yeah like completely figured out i think but you do just need to know that you're like deserving of love because there is that like ooh, you can't can't love somebody unless you love yourself which a lot of people are like oh well, that's not true but i think there is some truth in that it's it's balancing that there's truth in it but that it's not a black or white issue totally yeah totally. also define love yeah because like having love for yourself can literally just mean like setting your boundaries and like knowing what what you expect from other people to meet for you and that might not look like also self-acceptance very different than self-love true true yeah true erin what do you want to talk about i don't know oh okay uh can we talk about uh something that i found very refreshing and still in relationships in this Mm. in this uh comic 
Um, one thing that we didn't mention so far is that Bakesby, the head technician, and Captain Matsumoto are exes, and they yeah. are also co-workers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they have a very amicable relationship with one another, and it's functional and supportive, as depicted in the comic, which I thought was something that was, like, really refreshing here. Mm-hmm. Also shows that, like, I think that in how they interact, it kind of highlights that your relationships and your past don't necessarily define who you are, but we all kind of grow from it and move on, and sometimes that means that we can be amicable with one another and make shit work. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Especially if you're a lesbian. Especially <laughs> if you're a lesbian. Um, Bakesby has this one specific quote that I think is really interesting. We don't have to talk too deep about, but I just want to bring it up. Um, which is in, in which she says, I think it could have worked out between her and Matsumoto if we were a little wiser. Love isn't something you can do if you're scared. You have to work for it together. And you can only do that if you're both already whole. Yeah. Which I think is really good advice. Yeah, which is tying back into not the, like, RuPaul (laughs) RuPaul ideology of how uh, are you going to love somebody else if you can't even love yourself, whatever. Not about that. It's about literally just Mm. accepting yourself and recognizing that you are both individuals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think we're finished talking about relationship stuff? We have to be. Is it time for bullshit? Is it time for bullshit? (laughs) Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, what bullshit do you have? Ooh, which one of those five ladies would you date? Jen, Matsumoto, Bigsby, Rocker, or Red? Bigsby. Bigsby. Oh, really? Bigsby. Yeah. Yay. Hands down. Bigsby. Yeah, nice. I would I would want to date, appearance-wise, Matsumoto, but then, like, personality, probably more like Rocker, if I'm being honest with myself. Yeah. Oh my! Oh wait! I know one more thing. I also want to talk about. Okay. Uh, in one of our practice episodes, we oh, read no. a Yuri manga called <laughs> Beauty and the Beast Girl, um, which was out about like a beastly girl and a beautiful girl who like fall in love. But at one of our major criticisms, <laughs> um, out of hundreds, we, for that manga, we can never release that episode because we, can't we didn't release. have anything good to say about it. <laughs> I, really I, you know what, I don't read that. I do still. I, you know, I. It wasn't the worst. It was. It was one of those things where it's like I can't no. wholeheartedly. I like no. recommend anybody read this, but at the same time, I've read a lot worse stuff. I, there's worse, but we just read something literally better. I know. Okay, but and, anyway, and so it's free to read. Yeah. Um. So anyway, again, one of our major critiques was that uh the monster girl like really wasn't that monstrous so i was really excited that rocker turned out to be a giant scorpion (laughs) and and not only that she was a giant scorpion but that they got to kiss while rocker was in her true form and they also like had a little like scorpion hug their first kiss their first kiss i just like that made me so happy yeah it was good because um hey aaron Oh, yeah. Do you think we'll ever make an episode where we don't talk about being a monster fucker? <laughs> I hope not. Because we're, we're <laughs> batting three for three right now. Oh, no. <laughs> With that practice Wait, what, episode what, we can't release. <laughs> when did this come up in, in Ghostbusters? Uh, we talked about how cool it would have been to see Holtzman get head from a ghost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Aw, oh, shame. Well, Aw, oh, for shame. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I I think part of the reason why I recommended that we do um, Star Wars Lovers is because after after we read um, Beauty and the, or what is it Beauty and the Beast Beauty Girl and Beauty, Beauty and the and Beast, Beast Girl, Girl Edition. <laughs> <laughs> um after we read that, yeah. um, you were like, well, I can't not recommend this because where else are you gonna get like a monster girl kissing? Um, situation. Yeah. I was like, nah, Star Wars lovers. <laughs> and that's when you add to the list. Yeah. Yeah. Because I um, didn't make it this far. And going back to my um, my quote about Yuri is boring, no one has a gun. Um, I will say that, like, there are so many good, um, like, uh, female, ex-female webcomics out there. I, I meant that specifically about, like, the traditional definition of Yuri, which is, like, Yuri 
like manga comics written by men who but haven't ever seen a lesbian. Yeah, but that's not what Yuri is, though, and not what it originally I, was. But he, I, I think that's an overwhelming experience for like, at, at least for me, that was an overwhelming experience of like the ones that I got. Yeah, I'm going to derail us for just a second to talk a little bit sure. about the history of Yuri super quickly. And oh, also, in- wait, wait, what? Should we save that for like a Yuri episode? No, because I'm going to go more in depth about it later. Both oh, okay. lesbian pulp fiction and Yuri face the same fate where like um, they started out being written by women for women and then eventually men were like, ooh, hold on. And then like inserted themselves into it. And it's at that point that those genres became corporatized and it's at that point that they became what they are today. So it, it is oh, no both way. a case for lesbian pulp and for Yuri manga. It's like every single time female creators do anything men have to take it man yeah so that's that's my brief sidebar about why that is and why you're seeing that well i decided you know what i haven't been on tv tropes in a while yeah you ever go on tv tropes i love tv tropes it's a big that's an internet hole that you can fall into really easy um and star word lovers is on it surprise surprise um they didn't have a whole lot of entries but some that i thought that were really funny honestly so i just thought that we yeah. through a couple of them because i was like kind of dying when i was reading them these, okay i'm glad that these aren't serious because i was looking at these i was like what the fuck is aaron talking about uh yeah so get ready it's time for tv tropes um first of all there's this trope of the amazonian beauty which is like you know, like a really buff lady, Xena, you know, they put Matsumoto in here. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love thinking I love about Matsumoto that. as an Amazonian beauty because she fucking is one. Yeah, I suppose. Do you disagree? I don't know. I I just like don't think about that trope that much, I guess. I think of it more as somebody like from like with Xena or like um, yeah. Wonder Woman, where they're like coming from a foreign land, where which Matsumoto is definitely like not. She's just like from wherever they're from. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I okay. Here's another TV show. <laughs> I noticed this while I was reading it, and so I wanted to bring it up that I was glad that somebody on TV tropes noticed it too, which is the trope of covers always lie about the actual content of the series, and they noted that red is on oh. every single cover of the comic, yeah, <laughs> which is true, and it makes her seem like she has a much larger role in this than she does, and it makes her seem like she is an active and warmly welcome part of the group, which she is oh, not. Totally. No, um, it's good. I was kind of losing it at token non-human character um of which the most prominent other example given was star wars yeah that checks out yeah overwatch and that i was very confused by (laughs) everybody's a non-human for the most part the example specifically that they gave for overwatch was like in the original lineup there's winston I guess. And then they're also like, and also Zenyatta's there, and Bastion's yeah, sometimes. there. And, and, and Bastion. And then they were like, but this doesn't apply and so Orisa. much anymore because now Hammond's there and now Orisa's there. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. I, so th- I, how, about, how about this one? Token non-human. Doraemon. I was, that was so fucking it's funny. so good. Excuse me, the whole premise is that he's like, how can he be... How is he, like, the token side? He is the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. That's the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, very confusing. Yeah. Um, Okay, the last TV trope that I thought was so fucking funny was the Betty and Veronica trope. Okay, so let me explain this. So the Betty and Veronica trope is a trope of a love triangle in which one of them is like Archie, (laughs) one of them is like Betty, and one of them is like Veronica. That's it. That's the trope. Vague. Um. So the line of thought is that like Betty is like fun, loose, uh, like open. Of like very nice and sweet veronica is like very cold and calculating and kind of manipulative and archie is just kind of like oh which one do i pick <laughs> and how this oh applies to star Wars lovers is like grossly apparent <laughs> um is it yeah though? i think it, <laughs> a little bit no 
I disagree. I, I, well, I also, another um, uh, example of this trope that you wrote down was um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Do you love that? <laughs> I was really confused by. Have you ever seen Pirates um, of the Caribbean? <laughs> yeah, are you? I, I was, <laughs> I'm a millennial. Of course I've seen it. <laughs> um, no, when is Jack Sparrow a love interest? He is the whole time. I know. No. I think he is. I thought he is while I was a kid. Interesting. I was like, ooh, who's she going to get with? Is it going to be Jack Sparrow? No. Um, I like that every single Fire Emblem game was listed under this trope. Oh my god. And specifically Fire Emblem Awakening <laughs> had Krom as Archie. Wait! Sumia as Robin's Ronnie, not Archie? And Robin as Veronica. No, Robin is oh not Archie. Krom is Archie. Oh my god. <laughs> This is the worst trope. This is the worst trope. And then the last one, which is a series that I've recommended that we cover, maybe you'll let me do it someday, is a Degrassi era The End show called South of Nowhere, um, in which they're like, this is unique because it features a Betty and a Veronica, but they are lesbians. (laughs) And there's no Archie. So how is it a part of the trope? So it's (laughs) It's not. It's just just a show about lesbians. Is this like, and then they're like, Adventure Time's listed because, you know, uh, Marceline's such a Betty and uh, and Bubblegum's such a Veronica. (laughs) Just like any any two women. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I don't think that, like, I don't think that... Betty and Veronica did not come into mind when I was reading this. No, it definitely didn't. And that's why I was surprised to see it. I was like, wait, why do you think that... Why, yeah. hey, why is this a trope? <laughs> oh my god. I, I do love Archie, though. Do you, did he you know get, that Archie he died? died? <laughs> <laughs> he died to save his gay friend. He took a bullet for his gay friend. He, yeah. Archie died. And then he came Man. back to life. And now he's in Riverdale, right? Does Archie get to be in Riverdale? What? The TV show? Yeah. Does Archie get to be there? I assume so. I guess I (laughs) only hear about Jughead, honestly. (laughs) So I never really... I mean, what's funny about this is I think that, like, in the Riverdale TV show, I don't know if it would be a Betty and Veronica trope, because isn't Betty really mean in that show? I guess I don't know enough about Riverdale to say. Okay. If you know about Riverdale, tweet us. I don't want to know. Don't, because I don't want to know about Riverdale. (laughs) I would like, uh, I have this thing where, like, sometimes I just like to live in blissful ignorance about very common forms of media. This is how I've gotten this far without knowing a single thing about Star Wars. And this is why I get the joy of learning bit by bit, teeny tiny little chunks about what Death Stranding is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Did you know Conan know. O'Brien's in it? Learned that last night. He, wow, he gives you a hat know. that's shaped like an otter. Oh. Yeah. Is that important? Apparently it was a welcome relief for people who played the game or our one <laughs> friend who played the game. Oh, my God. After Fuck. a lot of um, trauma, you get one otter hat from Conan O'Brien. Well, thank God. So these are the things that I look forward to. It's the simple pleasures in life, like finding out weird niche facts about media I'm never going to consume. There you go. All right. Uh, well, that's... <laughs> going to end it. Yeah, that's... End yeah, it. I'm, I'm I, exhausted. Yeah, I. this was such a joy to read. Um, such a joy. We're going to watch... Thank you, Mickey. Yes. Fucking thank you, Mickey B, for writing this content that honestly, you don't even know you need until it's in front of you. And then you're like, yeah. I needed that. Um, yeah yeah it was really refreshing and i just such a blast uh star Wars lovers actually has a patreon which is uh currently on hiatus um but if you do want to support it um you know if you pledge you'll you'll get um charged for one month and then whenever uh it starts up again you'll start getting charged again so just if you want to do that um that's um patreon.com slash star lovers um, so yeah, yeah and support it, it if you read it. It is um, marked as complete as well. So I guess I'm not sure if the Patreon ever will be updated, but we can hope. Yeah, yeah, we can hope. We can hope. And there's um, if you for the ten dollars a month, you can get some not safe for work art. Oh, oh whoa. Hello. Oh, what's this? <laughs> oh, what's this? Do you want <laughs> that? It could be yours. Um, <laughs> 
in our next episode, two weeks from now, we are going to be talking about Carol and Tuesday, which I haven't watched yet. I'm very excited yeah. to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix, correct? Yeah, it's on Netflix. And it is an anime that should be available either dubbed in English or subbed, subtitled in English. Yep. Both. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've started a little bit. It's good. good. It's by the people who did um, Cowboy Bebop, I believe. I didn't look that uh, up, but they're talking about Wulong, so I think it has to be. I, no, it definitely is. And I'm just hopeful that I like it more than I liked Cowboy Bebop. Man. I know. I haven't seen any guns yet. Oh, well, that's good. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is it? Yuri gun, Yuri gun. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you feel like it, you should follow us on Twitter at Gaze Gaze, and you should tweet with us, and you should DM us, and you should tell everybody you know about us. And please, we would just love to talk with you about this because we're watching all these things and we're talking with one another, and it would be fun to talk with y'all. You can also email us with your suggestions for other content for us to watch or review or whatever at Erin at gazegaze.com. Um, many, many thanks to Kate and Leslie of Neon and Nude for allowing us to use their songs, Look in Love and You Pretty Thing for both our intro and our outro music. You can buy their album at neonandnude.bandcamp.com and you can also stream it on Spotify. I'm Erin. And I'm Erin. Okay. And, <laughs> and that's all. Bye. Bye. If you love her like I love her.